0: So those of you who were here last week will know that we started a new series and it's called the Bank of Heaven, and I started it with a, a caveat that, yes, we're talking about money, and that, that can be a difficult subject for some people, and you can feel very awkward, but it's a biblical subject. It's a subject that Jesus spent more time talking about than any other subject. And so it's right that, that um, although we don't want to major on money and make ourselves sound like we're, we're trying to rinse every last penny out of everybody that walks through the door, at the same time, we shouldn't be ashamed of talking about money, because Jesus certainly wasn't ashamed of talking about money. And this morning, the sort of the the subtitle of this morning's sermon is Control or Controlled. Looking at our relationship with our money, our attitude to money, and asking that fundamental question, are we in control or are we being controlled? As we know, it's been said many times, money doesn't have Power, money is an innate object. So I can take a £10 note with my, out of my pocket. Well, I can't because I've been married for almost 20 years. But theoretically, I could take a, a £10 note out of my pocket and I could hold it up and it doesn't have any power, any, any way. It's, it's just a, a piece of paper. But of course, we know that money carries with it influence. It can influence our thinking, our decisions. And money is one of the most used tools to tempt us. Now, this is not aimed at us individually. There is a a comment that we're going to come on to which is an observation of our society, the way that our whole society, our whole social fabric has turned away from kingdom attitudes and godliness has been replaced by greed. Now, that's quite a big statement, and we have to qualify that, but we're going to begin, as we always should, by looking at Scripture. And we're going to begin with one passage of Scripture, which you may or may not be familiar with. Most of you probably will be. Um, It comes from Mark's Gospel in chapter 12, starting at verse 41. And this is the account of the widow's offering. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, this is a very short passage. And it's a very interesting passage as well. You see, Jesus, is, is, he's, he's just been through, um, through a time of challenge. There's been a lot of confrontation. He's been asked a lot of tricky questions. He's given some very challenging answers. He's upset some people. It's been a bit of a sort of a difficult day that he's had, a difficult few days. And so he sits down outside the temple. And he's got his disciples with him. And outside the temple, as, as you go in, as you went in, there were some sort of receptacles. We don't know for sure what they would have looked like. But what we know is that they were collection pots, in essence. They, were, they would have been a good size. A lot of people went into the temple on a daily basis, and as they went in, the, the idea was that you, you made an offering. You, you put money into the, the, the offering pots. Now, of course, that's... No bad thing, plenty of churches have a, a sort of a retiring offering if you like. We indeed, we have, as you go out that back door, we've got a, a box on the wall, there's a QR code above it, you can scan on your phone and you can um, donate to the church that way. There's, there's the offering box. We don't give around bags anymore, but we still, we're still quite open. We, we only get by on what is given by our faithful members and regular attenders. The temple was just the same. But you see, the difference is that outside the temple, there were these big pots, and whereas you can wander past and scan a QR code, or you can discreetly drop an envelope into, into the box on the wall, in these days, money was coinage. And dropping coins into a large pot, it makes a noise. You can't really do it discreetly, can you? You can't do it subtly. I don't know if you've ever been in, um, in a, a pub or somewhere, where someone's been playing on a fruit machine and suddenly they get lucky, and you hear, and you hear the and it goes on and on and on, and it's like the beat of a drum, and eventually it's kind of like the noise of all the pound coins dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. It makes you, you can't interact with your conversation, you can't keep um, uh, talking and you lose your train of thought, and eventually people look round to see what's going on, because the sound, we all recognise the sound of money. We all recognize the sound of, of the coins just dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And you think, oh, wow, lucky day. And then you watch as it's all put back in and you don't hear that sound again for a few weeks. But you see, that sound, it does, it does it it's a bit of a Pavlov's dog thing. We recognize it. We know that's money dropping. And it was exactly the same when, when people stand outside the temple near these big Receptacles, jars, pots, whatever we call them. When a wealthy walks past, they may not have intended it. We're not told that they were doing it out of pride or out of a look at me. But simply the setup of the temple was that I've got this sack of cash. It's my offering to the temple. I need to pour it in. And as I pour it in, it makes this, this noise, not dissimilar to a fruit machine. Gudung, 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 gudung. Wow! Who's doing that? Flipping it? Wow! That's amazing. Look at. Gosh, wish I had that to give. If that's what he's got to give, imagine what he's got to keep. Wow. Everyone's heads turned. Everyone's looking. Everyone's watching. And then this poor widow, lady on her own. We're not told her age, we're not told much about her at all. We're told that she was poor, that she was a widow. And those two things kind of went hand in hand. She didn't have a husband anymore to to provide, to work. She wouldn't have had much at all. And she goes up to the pot after this windfall has been poured in after the rattling and the noise has been, has been reverberating and the sound has just finished and as she walks past the pot if you listened really carefully in a moment of quiet you heard a dink, dink and that was it she dropped in an amount which is difficult to quantify in today's money but it was probably a few pence. It was a, it, was a, it was a totally insignificant sum of money. Totally insignificant. But to Jesus, it wasn't. Because Jesus sits there and he makes a point. He calls his disciples over. Now, now let's just be clear here. As I said before, the, the wealthy who were putting money in, we're not told they were doing it for their own glory or anything like that. This is not a comment on, on them and pride or anything. We're not told the widow was even aware. By the time she got there, she didn't know what had gone on before. She wasn't aware she was being watched or listened to. It's, it's more about the heart of the giver. You see, sometimes we can, we can give, and we can give generously. But when we give, when we give to God, it's, it's sacrificial giving. What Jesus says is, the wealthy man who walked past and put a large amount into the, into the um, pot, it's all very impressive. And let's, not, let's not be ungrateful, but he was giving out of his wealth. He could still afford the finery, he could still afford the lifestyle, still afford the luxuries. That giving didn't really hurt. Whereas for that widow, she gave the two coins... That was all she had. She gave everything. And so, going back to the, 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 the title of the sermon today Control or Controlled. Well, the man who gave a lot was still controlled by his wealth. He gave out of his wealth, Jesus tells us. So he, within, within his wealth, he, he looked at what he had and he worked out what he could afford to give without damaging his lifestyle, and he gave that. And it was a lot, but as a proportion of what he had, it wasn't as a proportion of what he had, it wasn't a lot. Whereas the widow comes along, and as a proportion of what she has, well, she gives everything. And so what she gives, as far as Jesus is concerned, is a lot more, a lot more valuable to him than what the first guy gave. Now there are three three things that we can learn from the attitude of this widow. But first of all, before we do that, let's just remind ourselves. Remind ourselves right at the start of the sermon. I read those verses from Psalm 24. The first verse of that psalm, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let's just see if that's... Consistent in Scripture, I think we'll find it is. Go back to Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. If we go to the book of Job, God talking to Job says, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. So we see, see this, this, this theme, this consistency, this constant reminder that everything in the world belongs to God, and that includes our money. So let's not make the mistake of thinking, well, hang on a second, I've, I've earned that. That's mine. If I choose to give some to God, then he should be grateful. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works, because you, you earned that money on, on borrowed air. You know, let's, let's not forget, the world is the Lord's and everything in it, absolutely everything. And so when we, we talk about blessings and things, let's not, let's not forget that our, our, the, the money that we have is a blessing from God. That is something that belongs to God, that he has given to us. But he says, I'd love to see how you're going to use that, what your heart is. That, that gift that I've given to you, that blessing that I've given to you, are you prepared to give some of it back to me are you going to selfishly hang on to it and keep it and say whoa 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 no no I'm sorry that's, that's mine well actually the world is the Lord's and everything in it everything when we see this widow she is clear it's demonstrated by her giving she is clear about the ownership of her money We're told that those two two little copper coins are all that she had in the world. This is a lady who is poor beyond what we can imagine. And she puts the tiny amount she has into the offering pot. This demonstrates an awareness of the ownership, the true ownership of her money. Often when we, if we want to know how our heart is with God, we just have to examine our attitude to our money. Are we prepared to let God into our wallet? Or do we sort of say, wait, hands off. Hands off. You can, you can stick your nose into other bits of my life, that's fine. Some of it I welcome, some of it I don't, but that's okay. But wallet, no. Leave that alone. That's mine. This widow is aware of the ownership She's also aware of the Lordship. She's aware that God is in total control. She trusts in him, and if if she trusts in him, then by giving these these last two coins, which might represent a a crust of bread for her next meal, she's giving that to God. She's trusting in God. Then she's going into the temple to worship, to give herself, having just given her wealth, she's given herself in worship to God. And she trusts that God will reward. Now, of course, we don't meet this widow again. We don't know what happens to her. We don't know the rest of her story. But what we do know is that Jesus takes this lady and says, this is an example of someone who is, who is truly giving themselves to God. This is an example of someone who is, is truly putting their faith into God. We live in a world which is constantly selling us lies. You've only got to go out into the city and you go to so many different shops and you see things that it might be a, a, a massive new widescreen TV or it might be a car, or it might be, might be anything. And you can't afford it. You think, oh, that's, that's a lot of money. I, I don't have that money. But then there's always someone there to say, hey, that's all right. You can afford it. Pay for it over the next five, six, seven, ten 10 years. Little by little. You can afford that. It's only going to be this tiny amount each month. You can afford that. Of course you can. And you see the thing and it's standing there and you think, oh, I want this. I want this. The temptation's there. Yeah, okay. I'll sign away. The next 10 years I'll be paying for this. And what you end up paying is a, an amount that's far, far greater than the amount you can't afford. You end up paying so much more for something, and by the time you finish paying for it, the material thing is out of date, or worn out, or broken. And you find yourself lusting after more, wanting something else. You see, what you do, the moment you take on that debt, is you you stop being the one in control of your money, and you become the one controlled by your money. I know so many people are in jobs where they, they just feel trapped. I'd love to get out of this, I'd love to to go and pursue something else, but I can't afford to start again. Because I've got all these these debt obligations. I can't afford not to earn what I'm earning now. They're being controlled by their money. It's not God's will for us. It's not God's best for us. But that's the society we live in. It's a society where probably all of us have some sort of debt. Because we're told it's okay. Okay it's okay. But it's not God's best for us. In Proverbs 22, verse seven, we read, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And that's the situation we find ourselves in when when we live outside our means. Suddenly, we, we find ourselves with financial pressures which, which, if we're not careful, build up and up and up and, and they, can, they can just overwhelm us and overrun us because we've allowed ourselves to be brought into a situation where we are controlled rather than being the ones in control. The third lesson we can learn from this widow Is that we should be willing to be sacrificial with our money, to be sacrificial in the way that we we use our money. And sacrifice hurts. Jesus can tell you that. He's been there, he's seen it, he's done it. Sacrifice hurts. I love the attitude that we read from David at the end of 2 Samuel, chapter 24. And we read about how David has, um, against the will of God, taken a census of all the, all the people under his control. He wants to know how many people he's got in his, in his kingdom. It's a bit of an ego massage. It's, a, it's an exercise. God said, you don't need to do that. And David want, wants to do it, so he does it anyway. And then, and then there's, there's illness in the land, there's disease, and David realises that, that God's not pleased with him, and he needs to make amends. And so he makes amends by um, uh, walking up to... Um, uh, a man named Aruna, who's just a servant in a kingdom, farmer probably. And David goes up to him and he says, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David says, I've come to buy your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna says to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are the threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, I give all this to my king. May the lord your God accept you. So in other words, David David says, look, I, I need to make this, this sacrifice. Can I buy a threshing floor? I need to buy the wood and, and the, the livestock. Can I buy all this? And, and this loyal subject says, you're my king. You can have it. I'll give it to you. But David, David says these words, he says these words, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God, burn offerings that cost me nothing. Sacrifice hurts. And that's why we don't like talking about money, because it hurts. Because we'd rather, if truth be told, in our sinful nature, we'd rather not give to God, we'd rather go and, and, and buy the telly, buy the car. Whatever it might be that the, the, the floats your boat might be a boat. We'd rather do that. In our sinful nature, we, we don't like getting, giving and getting nothing back. David's attitude is reflected in the attitude of the widow at the temple. I'll not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. She knows as she walks into that temple that she's possibly giving away her last meal. But Jesus makes a point of saying, She's given everything. Look at what she's given. That shows her heart. That shows her faith. She's put everything in God. It can be quite depressing when you look at the the figures around debt in this country. I read recently that the average, average person, if you take the the national debt owed by by everybody and added it up and then divided it by the number of people in the country, it's about 35,000 pounds per person. That's a lot of money. And bear in mind that there will be some people that don't have any debt, and so that amount increases for those that do. It's staggering. You can do an awful lot of money with 35 grand, Oh, for a lot of goods, rather, with 35 grand, it's a lot of money. I once had a telephone call from someone I, I knew who said, look, I need to see you. And went round to their house and sat with them. And they told me about the problem they'd had. And the problem they had sounded like a great problem. See, the problem that this person had was that they were earning too much money. I said, oh, right, okay. I'm struggling to see the problem here. And they said, no, you don't don't understand. You see, I've got a huge amount of money coming in and I didn't know what to do with it. And I began to find ways to use it. And one of the ways I found was by just downloading a a gambling app on my phone. And they said, I can sit here now and tell you that in the past week, there have been three occasions where I've just... There's been something on telly that my partner was watching, and I didn't have any interest in, I was bored. And so while they were watching whatever was on, I was just on my phone. And I'd be putting 500 pounds of time onto, onto fruit machine apps. And in this past week, I've won about £9,000. I said, right. okay." well, I'm not sure about the gambling side of it. I don't think you should be doing that. But stop while you're ahead. And he said, no, I'm not ahead. I've lost £30,000. Just sitting there, just going through. Again, the world we live in has made it so easy to pour away huge amounts of money at the press of a button. It's so easy. And there are so many people out there who are, who are vulnerable to that. And someone might be sitting here today thinking, yeah, that's me. And if it is, then please come and, come and speak to me or speak to someone you trust and know, confide in someone, begin to address the problem, because there is help out there. We've got 12 step support groups that meet during the week in this church. They're fantastic. We haven't got Gamblers Anonymous at the moment, but we've got plenty of others. But these organizations are brilliant. But the sad thing is that that there are so many people who have sold the lie that it's okay. It's okay to to gamble away your money. It's okay to take on more and more and more debt. And then eventually you get to the point where, where it just becomes overwhelming. I read a quote this week from... from a um, a, a Christian um, economist which said the trouble that we have today in our society is that we spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't like mortgaging a future we won't be able to enjoy because of the past that we'd like to forget. Because we allow ourselves to be controlled by our money, we lose control ourselves and give it over to, to institutions. As soon as we stop making Jesus the centre of, of, our, of our wallets, our purses, our bank accounts, then we can find ourselves on a very slippery slope very quickly. But you see, it's not all bad news. It's not all bad news. I know that's a pretty grim picture of of the country and society as a whole. But it is a reality, which is why why I'm just putting it out there. But it's not all bad news, because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who always gives us a way back. No matter how far down that slippery slope we slide, God will always reach reach back and pull us up. In Malachi chapter 3, we read about... a group of people who have been withholding from God withholding tithes God's people haven't been honouring him and tithing they haven't been giving to him now we'll be talking more about tithes in a couple of weeks time but this is, this is relevant for today because God offers a challenge but he offers a way back to, to him through that challenge and this is a way back that is open to any of us today God's speaking to his people He says, you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. All the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, what God's saying there is, is, test me, challenge me. The more you give to me, the more that I will give back to you. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. This is not saying that, give everything to God and all your troubles will go and it will give you a winning lottery ticket and it'll all be rosy in the garden. This is God saying, give to me what I've asked for. And I will give to you more blessings than you can imagine. I will bless you, I will honor you. You see, give back to me some of what I've given to you and, and you will see the benefit. Sometimes we might say, I wanna, I wanna pray that I get this new job with the bigger pay packet. I wanna pray that my house move goes through well. I wanna pray that, that I get the promotion. All these things are linked to to money, getting more and more and more. And and there's nothing wrong. Of course, we should come to God and pray about these things. But before we do that, we need to be making sure that as we ask for him to give us stuff, we need to be giving back at the same time. We need to be willing to, to give that back to God. Otherwise, what does God feel like? He feels exactly the way that he speaks about at the start of that passage, as if he's being robbed. It doesn't work the other way, does it? If I say, if I say to someone, give me, give me, give me, and they say, well, what, you, what would I get in return? Nothing. <laughs> no, it's mine, just give me more. I'm not gonna give you anything, just give me more. You'd say, don't be so selfish, don't be so greedy, don't be ridiculous, that's not, that's not right. We've got to make sure that we don't treat God like that. We've got to make sure that that we we can stand before Jesus and that he can see us just as that widow. That widow who gave loyally, faithfully, humbly and wholly, trusting in God. And so hear me right on this. I'm not saying that we should, we will need to give our life savings and every penny we have and, and, and have absolutely nothing. There's, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. I've got a car. I've got nice clothes. I've got food on the table when I get home, hopefully. I've got, I've got things. So please hear me right on this. this. is not This is not trying to guilt people into giving. This is not about... This is not about an obligation that we are forced to to take on. This is about an opportunity. This is an opportunity. We should see it as an opportunity to give to God, to share with God, to say, God, look, my heart is for you, and here's my my bank account. I'll give you everything, and I'll give you this. And God won't say, right, I'll have the lot then. On your bike, off you go. You go and work it out for yourself. Because God loves us. God doesn't do that, that's not his attitude. God's like a, a parent where a child says I've had such a nice day out of my, my pocket money I'd like, to, I'd like to pay for my ice cream and you say oh oh my goodness I've just, I'm, I'm melting that's such a kind thing but don't be, don't be silly I love you I want, I'm, I'm paying for that I won't hear of taking it but I love you because your heart is so pure and so good that's, that's the relationship that God wants with us if we were to give a child pocket money and they were to go and waste it and spend it and then come back asking for more and then go and waste it and spend it and come back asking for more and then as they get older suddenly find that they're borrowing from other people and so they owe people and that's getting them in trouble and so they come and ask for more. Eventually you've got to say, I'm sorry but no, no there's, there's, there's a lesson to be learnt here and no I, I can't keep doing this because you're not, you're not treating me properly and it's going to be detrimental to yourself. And that's the point that that's the point that we see God getting to in Malachi chapter three. But it's not a it's not a hard and fast, that's it, that's the end. He says, No, come on. Treat me right and I'll treat you right. Give to me and I'll give back to you. Let's make this a relationship that works on love, that works on faith, that works on, on this beautiful grace that I want to exist between, between me and my children, between me as God and, and you as, as God's children, God's people. Let's make this something beautiful. Let's make money into something beautiful, this wonderful opportunity that we see, rather than something which, which we kind of hide in the shadows. Because the light shines in the darkness, And if we call God into our lives, every aspect of our lives, every department, if we open every door to him, then that light will shine into every dark corner. And we will find that our relationship with money becomes far sweeter as our relationship with God does the same. I said earlier that sacrifice hurts and of course when we talk about sacrifice in church normally we're not talking about financial sacrifice we're talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and it's because of that sacrifice it's because of what happened on the cross Jesus giving up his life for us Jesus choosing to die for us. It's because of that that we can have a relationship with God the Father. God the most pure, the most holy. Because through Jesus we we can be forgiven of our sins. If we confess to him, if we ask him into our lives if we ask for the forgiveness that can only come through Jesus as a result of what happened on the cross, then we can have this wonderful relationship with the God of all heaven, the Father, the Creator. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer now. And in that time, I'm just going to leave a, just 10, 20 seconds of silence. And if there's anything that you've been challenged by this morning, then, then I'm pleased because we should be challenged. It's a difficult subject. But I just wonder if, while well, we confess to Jesus silently, personally, intimately, I wonder if there's any practical steps. I wonder if, if you have got debts that you're thinking of and you're thinking, oh, we should stop going on about it because I try and forget about it and put it to the back of my mind. But, but we shouldn't. We should confront these things. And maybe there's one small debt that you can think, right, within, a, within six months or within a year, I'm going to have that done. I'm going to be free of that. Or maybe you think, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take on any more. I'm going to deal with what I've got. I'm, I'm not going to take on any more. Or maybe... You can get home and look at your savings, your accounts and your, your, in, your, your, your income and your outgoings and think, right, I, you know, currently my, my outgoings exceed my income and so my upkeep will be my downfall. That's the way it works. Maybe we can reassess where we are. We can make changes and say, well, in five years' time I can be bet- debt-free. And it will be a struggle and it will be hard and it's going to be a long journey, but it's doable because I'm going to put God at the centre of it. I don't know what your situations are, and it's not for me to know. I wouldn't wish to. But what I do know, what I do know is that we have all been subject to the, the lies that are told in adverts, in shop windows, that you can't afford this thing, but you can still have it, and we'll slowly suck you dry over years and years, and you will be tied to it. But right now, the temptation is so great that you want it, you want it and so we're going to get you. And what I'm saying this morning is that through the power of our God, there is a way out because, and it all comes down to, the love that Jesus showed on the cross. He had a long journey to go through. He had had painful times. He had suffering. He had difficulty and hardship. But he did it. Why? Because he cares. Because he loves each and every one of us. And that's, that's amazing. That is amazing. We have an amazing God. I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to leave a pause for us to just spend time with our God quietly and personally and intimately. Father God, we thank you that there is nothing in this world that has the power to pull us so far from you that you lose sight of us. There is nothing in this world that makes us so detestable to you that you give up on us and abandon us. But there is something in this world that is so strong that we can always find a way back to you. And that is the love and the grace that we see poured out by Jesus in the act of ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And Father, as we prepare to share together in this communion time, as we prepare to remember the body given for us, the blood poured out for us, as we remember the glory of the resurrection that death did not hold Jesus but he walked out of that tomb. That he appeared to hundreds of people that the resurrected Jesus was, was indisputable. Father God as we do these things we pray. We pray that you will open our eyes and open our hearts. That you will help us to repent of our sin. And Father, this morning, as we've focused on a difficult subject, a challenging subject, Lord, we pray that you will help us to respond in a way that honors you. We, we pray, Lord, that you will give us hope that even if we're finding ourselves in, in a very difficult or desperate situation, that you will be the one that we turn to for the hope of a way out. Because we know that when we put our trust in you, when we put our hope in you, we find something something incredible, something powerful. We find the love of God. So Father, as a church and as individuals, hear our prayers now. As we just spend these moments in your presence, seeking your forgiveness as we repent of our sin. But also asking you, Lord, asking you to be with us on whatever journey we need to take in order to get ourselves financially and spiritually right with you. I will not give to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Lord, we thank you for those words from David. And Father, we thank you that Jesus gave a sacrifice that cost him everything. It cost you everything. But Father, we thank you that that was not the end. We thank you that because of that sacrifice, we know that Jesus has given us the privilege, the opportunity, the pathway to come back to you, to call you Father, to know you, and to share life with you. Father, we thank you so much for what Jesus did on the cross and we thank you, Lord, as we remember, as we remember what it cost him. We pray now, Lord, for your blessing on these elements, on the bread and on the wine, representing the body and the blood. Father, we thank you for the power of your forgiveness. We thank you for the power of your love. And we thank you for the privilege of being accepted by you and being able to call ourselves children of God. And so, Father, bless us now as we receive these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if, you'd, if you've not got a communion then please put a hand up and one will wing its way to you if you have got one then please please open it now three times a day for most people they have a meal sometimes on our own sometimes with a group sometimes very plain sometimes a little bit more lavish but as Jesus was sitting at the table that night in Jerusalem in that upper room with his disciples he made it absolutely clear do this in remembrance of me Every time we share a meal, every time we eat, drink, every time we nourish ourselves physically, we should nourish ourselves spiritually as well by remembering Jesus, by remembering his presence, that he's right there with us. On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus, with his disciples, took the bread and broke it saying, this is my body, given for you. It wasn't just those 12 disciples, make no mistake. This was a direct statement to each and every one of us who chooses Jesus, who chooses to follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then that statement was for you. That body was given for you. And so, let us eat together, giving thanks to Jesus. In the same way Jesus took the cup and as he served the wine he said this is my blood poured out for you do this in remembrance of me and so as we remember Jesus we remember one who taught us a very different set of values to those which the world teaches us. He taught us to look at the widow's heart, to look at the values that she applied to her life, the devotion that she showed to her God and the awareness that she showed that the world is the Lord's And everything in it. Let's do this in remembrance of Him. Lord Jesus, we thank You for what we have received, we thank You for what we remember at this time we thank you for the privilege of being your followers and we thank you Lord that as we go out into the world we know we know that we don't face this alone we know that we are called to stand apart to not conform to the ways of the world Lord we thank you you are living and active that you love us that you hold us, and that you never leave or forsake us. And so in your presence, in your power, and having received your gift this morning, we worship you, we love you, and we praise you. And we say in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and to lead us in our closing song this morning.
1: Just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus speak Jesus